Freedom Hut. Smoking gun evidence on the Biden crime family's corruption. Iran puts out fake news to hurt Trump and the media falls for it. Plus tonight's pivotal presidential debate. Let's get to it. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Like I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, my friends. My, oh my, what a day this already is, and it's just going, because we got that debate tonight, and we have so much to talk about with regard to Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. Uh, let's, just, let's just start with this. We've now gone from the Hunter Biden story about corruption, about selling uh, influence to his, uh, to his, you know, access to his father uh, we've gone from this is blocked on social media ostensibly because it's a smear and it's not true right to well actually it's russian disinformation to okay it's all true but our editorial judgment is it's not really a story in just a little over a week they tried for maybe a day or two there oh it's a non-story because joe biden's not tied to it and i said look if joe biden has no hand in any of this Hunter being a screw up may not be enough, but this is quite a bit different. A lot of information, a lot of information coming out that is real based on this laptop, based on the communications. This is smoking gun level stuff in a normal criminal trial. Let's say if you had the defendant's email saying the kind of stuff that Hunter Biden saying about a corrupt influence scheme, they'd be taking a plea deal. It'd be all over. But now we know the FBI had the laptop for a year, didn't do anything. It may have been subpoenaed, though, as part of a money laundering probe. Gee, that information never got out. What a surprise that that wouldn't be leaked, something that would actually hurt a Democrat. And if you're wondering, Buck, hold on. Are they really saying that this is all not a story, that the emails coming out to suggest not to suggest to state that Joe Biden was getting a piece of this? That Hunter Biden was getting huge deals done with foreign adversary governments, okay, like China. That Hunter Biden was getting huge deals done, making enormous amounts of money, giving kickbacks to his dad, and that everybody knew what was going on here. His business partner has come forward to confirm all of this. The guy's a Navy veteran. He's just like, look, I've got to tell the truth on this one. And he's got receipts, as they say. He's got the documents. We're beyond now rumor, innuendo, speculation. We're talking cold, hard facts, my friends. That's where this Biden scandal currently is. And you have to laugh. NPR, their public editor, put this out earlier today. Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? The answer they give, this is their managing editor for news, quote, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. That's right, friends. Taxpayer funded in part. NPR is taking the position now. Oh, sure. You can prove everything that the New York Post has been saying from the beginning that 
conservatives, Republicans have been pointing out about the Bidens going on two years now. You can prove this, but it's not really a story. How is this not a story? That's absurd. I mean, that's so stupid and so dishonest that it's hard to even debate it because it feels like we must be talking about somebody who's not smart enough to even understand the issues at hand. I mean, the NPR people, do they do they not know anything about politics? They're the political editors that are making this statement. But what you see, my friends, right now is the mainstream media engaging in an institutional mass self-immolation to protect Biden. It's hard to fathom why they would ever do this until you recognize that they view a Trump victory as an existential threat to their professional and emotional well-being. And so this is going to get much uglier, my friends. Much uglier indeed. Uh, it's, it's stunning. I mean, of the many accomplishments real Donald Trump, uh, or Donald Trump rather, can point to in his first four years, exposing the liberal mainstream media beyond any doubt as the unrepentant and reckless frauds they are will go down in history as among the most important and useful. Shared that one on Twitter earlier today. I think uh, folks see exactly what I mean. There's no going back for the media now. There's there's no they're never going to be able to make this argument. Oh, we're just journos. Oh, we're just being honest. You know, we're just nonpartisan here. The China component of this is stunning. I mean, the Burisma and Ukraine stuff is bad enough. But now now we find out that there is information about a Chinese government payoff to the Biden family. You mean our primary, really our only geopolitical rival knew that by funneling some cash, nothing to them. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party has got five, ten million bucks in the couch cushions and then some. And this is a, a joke to them, a pittance. They can help steer some aspect of U.S. foreign policy just by paying off the then vice president's son. The things that they've accused Trump and his family of doing, I mean, this is why the hypocrisy is so mind-blowing. What the Democrats have been accusing Trump and his family of doing for years without evidence, unfairly maligning them, is what Joe Biden and his family, not just Hunter, also his brother, that's what they've been doing. They are accusing the other side of what they themselves are guilty of. Of doing China's getting away scot free with stealing billions of dollars in intellectual property from U.S. companies and billions more with their predatory trade practices until Donald Trump steps up. But before that, they were getting away with it. And it makes so much more sense the moment you find out that the Bidens and others in our ruling class were getting beach houses, Benzes and BMWs out of the deal. Oh, okay. Why push back on China when business is so good? Side business, that is. You know, that's really what this is turning into. You realize that U.S. foreign policy was kind of a side hustle for the Bidens. The main event was getting cash, getting paid. It's amazing, friends. It's amazing. But this is this is what we're up against. This is what we're seeing. I mean, yesterday, the, the desperate media tried to suggest that a Rudy Giuliani Hidden camera ambush for a Borat film was a big news story. But somehow Giuliani having ironclad proof that Hunter Biden was selling access to his vice president dad 
is a non-story or it's Russian disinformation. This is all you have to know. The media can't go any lower. They have no integrity to protect. It's all over for them now in that regard. I mean, they they can only fool those who wish to be fooled. They can only fool people who are either not honest enough or not smart enough for this to, uh, you know, to see the truth of what's really going on here. So many people doing excellent work on this one. Sean Davis over uh, over at the Federalist has been diving into these emails. This is from his Twitter. He writes, quote, an email to Hunter Biden's partner from a top Chinese official on July 26, 2017, shows the Chinese energy company CEFC proposed a five million dollar interest free loan to the Biden family based on their trust on the Biden family. There's a quote that he pulls. Should CEFC keep lending more to the family? Less than two weeks later, on August 8th, 2017, five million dollars was wired from a CEFC affiliated investment vehicle to a Delaware LLC, which spent the next year transferring nearly four point eight million dollars directly to Hunter Biden's firm, according to Senate investigators. Friends. This is exactly how you would engage in a access peddling in in a corrupt scheme where you are selling U.S. foreign policy for personal gain. This is exactly how you would do it. You have the negotiations. You fly to China on Air Force Two with dad. You meet with a bunch of Chinese businessmen. Then you have them just give a an interest free loan and, and they park it in a unnamed Delaware, you know, an unknown Delaware LLC. And then that is siphons off the money to your consulting firm, which you then get a piece of. I mean, it looks like money laundering to me, friends. I mean, we're, we're going to have to look at what some of the legal experts find with these kinds of transactions, but it certainly stinks to high heaven. We know that much. These are not theories, my friends. This is all traceable. It is all provable and it is all real. We have the evidence, and yet they're trying to pretend like this is somehow still nothing. Oh, no, we're way, way beyond that. But what I want you to be prepared for is that even though the media has been exposed as completely corrupt frauds, more so than anything else you can really think of, because this is all coming down at once right before the election, And they're doing everything they can. There's a pathetic panic that has overtaken the mainstream media. They're doing whatever they can to try to avoid talking about any of this. They're downplaying it. They're lying about it. It's only going to get worse. They've already made their choice. Their choice is Joe Biden. Really, their choice is anybody but Trump. And they will do anything in their power to make sure that happens. There is nothing that is too debased Nothing that is too fraudulent, too pathetic for the biggest news organizations, the biggest names in mainstream news to carry the last buckets of water for Biden necessary in this election where we know it's going to be very, very tight. We know it's going to be very close. So just be ready for this. Be ready for exactly what's going to happen here. 
because, yes, the Joe and Hunter Biden corruption apparatus is even worse than I initially thought. Or at least there's much more proof of it. And the efforts to suppress it have proved that our media is depraved beyond salvation. But it's still going to be a very close election. And the libs do not care about the truth. They do not care about the Biden corruption. And so Biden can still win. Keep the pressure on, my friends, and keep pushing. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I now know beyond a shadow of doubt the laptop is, in fact, Hunter Biden's. The emails are, in fact, accurate. The big guy referenced in one of the emails is, in fact, Joe Biden. We know Hunter Biden had deals with communist China. Ukraine uh, deals with this company, Burisma, that even the State Department said was a concern. And he was getting cash from the mayor of Moscow's wife. So all that, of course, this should come up. Indeed, that's what we know. And there's still more that I think we're, we're destined to find out in the days ahead. And all of this going into an election tonight where... Biden shows up. He's not going to be able to hide. Here's a prediction. There will be a a critical moment of muting. The debate moderator tonight in this debate will find a point at which Biden is on the ropes. You know, the Russian is cut and Rocky circling and he's and he's about to about to finish him off and they'll freeze it. They'll mute. They'll mute President Trump and then talk over him as well. Guaranteed to happen tonight at that moment where it's finally clear that Joe Biden can't evade anymore. But let's also talk about what what he's trying to evade. A business associate of Hunter Biden's named Tony Bobulinski has put out a statement. I want to read this statement to you so you understand the full scope of what we're talking about here. This is all information just the last 24 hours coming out. Looks really bad for the Biden camp. Don't whatever the media says is a joke. This is all a nightmare for them. It really is. He writes, my name is Tony Bobolinsky. The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I am the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden and Rob Walker. That email is genuine. So this is one of the guys involved in these communications. Here's what he writes. This afternoon, I received a request from the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs and the Senate Committee on Finance requesting all documents relating to my business affairs with the Biden family, as well as various foreign entities and individuals. I have extensive relevant records and communications, and I intend to produce those items to both committees in the immediate future. I am the grandson of a 37-year Army intelligence officer, the son of a 20-plus-year career naval officer, and the brother of a 28-year career naval flight officer. I myself served our country for four years and left the Navy as Lieutenant Bobolinsky. I held a high-level security clearance and was an instructor and then CTO for Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. I take great pride in the time my family and I served this country. I am also not political. He goes on. The 27 email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB reference in that email is Jim Biden, Joe's brother. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for his sign off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying 
He never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I realized the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial return on investment. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. Once I realized that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese, I took steps to prevent that from happening. The Johnson report connected some dots in a way that shocked me. It made me realize the Bidens had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so I can go back to being irrelevant. And so I am not in a position to have to answer those questions for them. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist controlled China. God bless America. One more thing that Lieutenant Bobolinsky writes here. The few campaign contributions I have made in my life were to Democrats. If the media and big tech companies had done their jobs over the past several weeks, I would be irrelevant in this story. Given my longstanding service and devotion to this country, I could no longer allow my family name to be associated or tied to Russian disinformation or implied lies and false narratives dominating the media right now. After leaving the military, I became an institutional investor, investing extensively around the world. What I'm outlining to you is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am the CEO of Sino Hawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC and Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gillier and Hunter Biden. And the reference to the big guy in the much publicized May 13th email is, in fact, Joe Biden. Friends, his partners are talking. We've got all the proof. It's all real. The Biden family is a crime family, and they think they're about to become the next first family of the United States. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, really, give this a little thought. What's the response to all of this now? They were telling us last week, not true, not true, then Russian disinformation, Russian disinformation, and now, what exactly is it? Oh, it's, it's not important? If it's not important... Why were we hearing so much about how it was Russian disinformation? Why even pay attention enough to it to make that claim? And of course, it's important. They're they're insulting our intelligence, my friends. They are insulting your intelligence, my intelligence, every American. That's what the media is up to right now. They've, they're putting Jill Biden out there saying that these are smears against my family. No, no, sorry. These are facts. The Democrats had a lot of different options in this campaign that could have gone with a lot of people. I'll say this. Say what you will about, you know, Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders, but they weren't taking payoffs from the Chinese. I'm just you know credit where it's due. The Democrats had a lot of options, even Elizabeth Warren. I mean, for all of her flaws, not taking payoffs from foreign governments selling influence, doing other shady stuff, I'm sure. But Democrats brought this on themselves. They wanted to run a head fake 
fraudulent candidate with big name recognition tied to Obama that they could pretend was a moderate and they thought they could just ram him just like they were going to ram Hillary Clinton down everybody's throats and they wanted to ram John Kerry down everybody's throats. They thought they were going to pull it off. And look, they still might. Don't get me wrong. They've got so much of an institutional and platform advantage that even running a candidate as flawed as this guy with all the lies that they're having to tell, maybe it still works. Doesn't mean that we can't talk about how insane this is, how crazy these circumstances are we find ourselves in. Uh, First of all, here's Joe Biden saying, oh, it's all a smear. Sure it is. Play 18. You know, as a mother, I mean, I it really I don't like to see my son attacked. And certainly I don't like to see my uh, husband attacked. But for me or to me, these are distractions. I mean, this election is not about Joe Biden or Jill Biden or Kamala or Doug. It is about the American people. The American people don't want to hear these smears against my family. The American people are struggling right now. No, actually, I think they want to hear it. Sorry, Jill. I think I think they are curious now that it's fact. Now that there's smoking gun evidence. I think that uh, we've been told for four years that Donald Trump is a man of of lacking, lacking in character. And his family has made all this money in shady ways. And, you know, Trump Tower Moscow and some guy whose name I can't even pronounce from one of the stands and the Miss Universe pageant and all the all, all the stuff we've heard about this. Now, all of a sudden, none of that counts for Joe Biden. This guy's been in public life his whole life, and somehow he's very, very, very rich. Hmm. A lot of Democrats for whom that's the case. Well, looks like they may have to uh, pay the piper now, so to speak. At least the Bidens might. The only justice is going to come, just so you understand this, at the ballot box. I want everyone to be very clear. Just as I said with Benghazi and Obama in the 2012 election, once Obama won that reelection, forget about justice for Benghazi and what happened there wasn't wasn't going to occur because they controlled they controlled the game. They control the refs. They control the players. Not going to not going to happen. Biden wins. All this goes away. In fact, they're going to go after people that expose this. They're going to go for payback. It's not going to be enough to merely push aside the obvious Biden family corruption. They're going to want to make examples of people. How dare you expose the Democrat, uh, the Democrat candidate for who he and his family members really are? Remember, it's the brother, it's the son. I mean, getting in on this for sure from a lot of different angles. And then you have the responses to all this from the media, which are are honestly mind blowing. I mean, it's, it's hard to think of how anybody could do this, wake up, think their job is somehow guided by principles, facts, honesty, ethics, and then do what this media is doing. You know, the president, I mentioned this yesterday, I didn't really get into the details. The president sat down with 60 Minutes and Leslie Stahl recently. You know, all these all these boomer media establishments with these boomer correspondents who are just deeply unimpressive party hacks who have gotten, you know, really fat and happy by being highly mediocre, but playing the institutional political game well enough to rise up the ranks at these places. There's been around a long time. You know, time to retire, Leslie Stahl. We've had enough. She's not the only one. There's a ton of them. And whether you're talking about, you know, Dan Rather or Larry King or these guys, they never want to give it up. It's never time to focus on something else in life. It's always me, 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 more money, more attention, me, me. That's who's at the top of the mainstream media apparatus. Not the smartest, not the best, 
not the most ethical. It's really the most narcissistic and the most selfish. That's unfortunately what these legacy outlets, uh, what these legacy outlets prize. I mean, that, that's what does well for you. You're advantaged by taking that approach. Anyway, here's Leslie Stahl, for whatever reason, gets access to the president. She sits down in an interview with him. And I just want you to hear her completely laughable. Smack yourself in the face because you can't believe you're hearing something so stupid. Defense of why media outlets like hers have no interest in the Hunter Biden laptop. This is and remember, this is the president. They taped the interview while it was being taped so that 60 Minutes can't get away with their usual editing crap. So this is the White House releasing the rough of the rough cut of this. Play it. It's this, I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen, and you don't cover it. Because you want to talk about... Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk I'm about insignificant you. things. I'm telling you. Of course it can be verified. Excuse we, me. We they found the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. can't be verified. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because Even the family verified. hasn't... The family on the laptop... He's gone into hiding for five days. He's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay. All right. All right. So let's get back. He's preparing for the debate. That's not even the funniest thing here. It can't be verified. Here's supposed to be a famous and dogged journalist. Gets to the truth, gets the facts, gets the answers. And her response to why they won't even touch this enormously consequential story at the absolute peak of an election, a presidential election cycle is it can't be verified. Uh, This would be like if you sat down with the FBI and you had something for them, they're like, oh, this needs to be investigated. Exactly. Isn't that what you do here? Isn't this the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Otherwise, what would you say you do here? Leslie Stahl, journalist, 60 Minutes, CBS, lots of money going into this. They can't find a way. First of all, it's already verified to anybody who's not an idiot. But if they want to play this verification game, the, oh, we can't. It it would be like she said, whoa, whoa, sorry, Mr. President. What you're asking for is journalism, and that's not what we do here. It's pretty much what she's telling him. Can't be verified. Um, No, it's, first of all, it is verified. And second of all, if that was really a position they could take, then they should be the ones working to verify whether this is real or not. But remember, CBS is the same news outlet that at the absolute peak of a, of a previous presidential cycle put forward National Guard documents that use Microsoft Word font that didn't exist from the year of the supposed National Guard document involving George W. Bush. So, you know, they, they, they know their fake news and then some. They know how to play this game. They know what to do. It's just it's just incredible to watch this play out. They're so terrified. They're such fraudulent cowards. The media, the Democrat Party, they're all, oh, let's just talk about other. Let's talk more about health care. Let's talk about all these other. No, I'm sorry. They put the president of the United States through a four year long. I'm sorry, three year long special counsel investigation and then impeachment based on nothing. They impeached Trump for bringing up. Answers about Hunter Biden corruption with the uh, with the president of Ukraine. And it turns out that that's a completely legitimate inquiry because there is corruption involving Hunter Biden in Ukraine. 
So I'm sorry. Is there some special? I was saying this back when we were looking at this call and whether it was legitimate or not. Is is Joe Biden because he was formerly the vice president or his family members allowed to break the law? Are, are there are there is there some special get out of jail free card? Well, we find out. Yes, it's called being a Democrat. It's called being a Democrat. It's just amazing as we see how obvious all of this is. They're not even being clever with the fraud that they're perpetrating right now. They're not even uh, they're not even impressive with the propaganda. I mean, what you're seeing here could be changing the the course of, of history for this country. And the media pretends that the smoking gun emails of the Biden family and the Biden family's corruption, which now seems to go all the way up to Joe Biden himself, are no big deal. But these are the same journos who cheered an FBI investigation, including FISA warrants of the Trump campaign based solely on lies paid for by the DNC. Not only did the media run with the stories that were all lies, all just fabrications and nonsense about how Carter Page and George Papadopoulos were Russian agents, part of a conspiracy to steal the election. Not only did the media run with that in its, you know, as though it were gospel, the FBI, Obama's FBI, Obama's DOJ used that stuff as the basis for an actual criminal investigation and used FISA warrants and used national security letters and used the most intrusive tools of the federal apparatus to spy on people. And, and now we're going to forget all of that. We're going to pretend that they're not playing the game as, as dirty as they possibly can. I don't think so. It's, a, it's amazing, friends. Oh, now they're, what's the latest? Oh, but Trump has a bank account in China. I'm hearing this one. This is, this is what you're being told now. Oh, my gosh. But there's a bank account. I mean, okay, what's in the bank account? How much money? They, they, they seem to think that, that normal intelligent people can't figure out that if you're worth a billion dollars, and, you know, you got a bank account somewhere worth 100 grand. Nobody cares. Doesn't mean anything. It's like finding a $20 bill in your back pocket of pants you haven't worn in a while. Oh, he's got a foreign bank account. Well, how much is in this bank account? What were they doing with this bank? Account? Uh, but anything to get us talking about something else, something other than this issue. Um, and, and it's just so fitting, too, because, you know, Trump is the one who's been willing to show that. China is a problem for the United States, our elites. And it goes all the way across politics, really bipartisan consensus. The think tanks in D.C., they've done nothing but not just apologize. They've done apologias for China. They'll defend Chinese uh, trade practices and policies because, oh, they're just trying to catch up. The, the, The wealthier they get, the more liberal they'll get. Don't worry. And we realize, oh, are you getting wealthier, too? Democrat and Republican lobbyists and think tankers and politicians. Are you getting wealthier while China gets wealthier? Turns out, yeah, it looks like that is the answer. But oh, don't worry. Obama showed up just in time to make jokes about how there's a there's a Trump Chinese bank account. uh, Play 20. We know that he continues to do business with China because he's got a secret Chinese bank account. How is that possible? How is that possible? A secret Chinese bank account. Listen, can you imagine if I had had a secret Chinese bank account? 
when I was running for re-election, you think, you think, my, you think Fox News might have been a little concerned about that? They would have called me Beijing Barry. Yes, this bank account is so secret that it paid $188,000 in taxes in China from 2013 to 2015. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we really think is, is in here? Citing an analysis of the president's tax records. So it's in his tax records. So in what way exactly is the bank account secret? I'm just wondering. Right. This is a total smokescreen. Smokescreen. Desperate smokescreen from the libs. Trump's tax record showed investments of at least. Here, you ready for this? $192,000 in five companies that pursued interests, uh, business interests in China, according to the New York Times. Oh, my gosh. $190,000. Do, do you, do you, does anyone think that Trump cares about $190,000 in business deals? Really? That, that's, that's, a big, that's a big deal? That guy's worth billions. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I want to share this one with you. It was a fun one yesterday. Uh, the Washington Examiner's Susan Ferreccio versus Brian Stelter, who's like running around trying to put out all the fires for the media. He's running around. He's very, very upset. How dare you say that we are not very honest? Play clip one. The bottom line is it deserves scrutiny by all media outlets. And if they pick and choose this and decide it's not worth their time, um, I think that's showing real bias. I think everybody deserves to look at the Mueller stuff and everyone should look at this and give Biden the scrutiny that he, you know, he's not running for president of the Glee Club. He's running for president of the United States. And this is serious. These, this is not last year's news. It's whether or not his son was coordinating to get him to talk to these Ukraine oligarchs and he was benefiting from it. I mean, it's just it's, it's really dirty. Okay, and Brian, it, Brian, look at. Forgive me, Brian Stelter, and then I want to move on to the Google, which is a related story. Brian, I, you know, uh, you, I, I said it was last season. You're saying it's new. Uh, I think bottom line is we don't know what is real and what is fake in these emails, if there is anything real in them. Yeah, but and, that didn't stop any from, from from reporting the Mueller and the dossier and all that I stuff. You're bitter. Now, I understand that you have a lot of resentment uh, about this. now. Now we have ethics. OK, now I, we have ethics. Now, that now it's da- don't you dare. Don't you dare act like newsrooms didn't have ethics in 2017 and 2018. Well, I you know they did. Oh, you can't. You can don't dare me all you want, Brian. I've been doing this for 30 years. So say whatever you want. It's my view. And I have a right to say it. I was so invited on the is that the news media was unethical <laughs> with Mueller? Don't you dare. Don't you dare. She's like, actually, I'm going to dare a little man. Go eat a donut. I've had enough of you. I love it. It was great. Susan Ferreccio. Never seen her work before. Big fan now. That was great. How dare you say the media is not honest enough? How dare? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever Jeff Zucker's paying him, it's not enough. I mean, to debase yourself like this on TV or on radio or wherever this was, I think it was a TV show, for the amusement of your, your ignorant and brainwashed lib audience so they don't have to be uh, confronted with facts they don't like. It's a tough job, but Brad Stelter's there is ready to do it for everybody. Excuse me, Zucker, could I have a pat on the head, please? I would like a pat on the head. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. A second major news story that's really overshadowed by the Biden bombshells 
But this one's big, too, because of the implications, but also what it shows us about what the media has been saying in the past and how serious they are willing to take their own words. Uh, You have heard, no doubt, for years about Russian interference in our election. And there's this constant specter, this constant fear of, oh, my gosh, at any moment, Russia might interfere. Russia's hiding under your bed. It's in the closet. Putin might steal everything from you. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Right. They've they've made everyone think that that Russia is a huge, huge problem uh, for all of us. When uh, the reality, as we see it, is that Russia, sure, is sometimes in opposition to U.S. interests, but they did not steal the last election with $100,000 of Facebook ads by some bot farm in a basement in Russia somewhere, right? That's it's just insane. There's no way. But they lost all sense or, or they abandoned all sense of context and, uh, and all, all sense of, you know, the way that anybody who's being honest would would weigh these issues. So we had this Russia collusion, stealing the election thing. And you kept hearing about Russian interference in our election. And we're supposed to always be worried about this. Well, turns out Iran has tried to interfere in our election and exposed a lot about certain groups, certain individuals in that process. Here is the DNI uh, Ratcliffe making an announcement about this just last night. This was breaking news yesterday evening. Play 14. We would like to alert the public that we have identified that two foreign actors, Iran and Russia, have taken specific actions to influence public opinion relating to our elections. First, we have confirmed that some voter registration information has been obtained by Iran and separately by Russia. This data can be used by foreign actors to attempt to communicate false information to registered voters that they hope will cause confusion, sow chaos, and undermine your confidence in American democracy. To that end, we have already seen Iran sending spoofed emails designed to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump. Iran is sending emails. What are those emails saying? What is the Iranian government doing here? That's what you have to look at first and to see, you know, see what's happening so we can really understand all of this. But I, I, I will tell you this much. Just based on the statement of the DNI here, what we know is that Iran is interfering in our election on behalf of Joe Biden. And by the rules established by our biased and moronic media in 2016, this now means that if Trump loses, we could spend four years whining about how Iran stole the election for Biden. And maybe we can even unleash a special counsel on him because of it. Now, let me say, because I'm not crazy, Iran is not stealing the election for Joe Biden. It's not going to happen. They don't have the influence operations capability. It's just that they, they can't. But what the Democrats did in 2016 was essentially look at the circumstances that we're looking at now with Iran and say, oh, but but Russia did something. And because Russia did something and we're sad that the election was lost, let's say that Russia's the reason the election was lost. Let's let's wildly exaggerate 
the ability of the Russian trolls, the bot farm uh, to influence things in this election cycle, because that makes us feel better. And it also then becomes a weapon against the other side, even though there was no Russian collusion to this day. It is a widespread belief among Democrats that the only reason they lost that 2016 election is because of Russian intervention. That's what they tell themselves. That is the widespread belief among Democrats. And that also then justifies in their minds their uh, complete lack of any respect for the office and, and any willingness to really concede that Trump is, in fact, the president. They will not concede that. They won't do it because they say, not my president and, you know, illegitimate and hashtag resistance and all this stuff, all because of Russia. So we're now in a place where we could say we very well could if we wanted to be a bunch of dishonest crybabies like the Democrats by and large are, we could do the same thing. So thanks, Iran. You've now given us a ready made excuse, just like the Democrats took in 2016. If our guy doesn't win, it's because of Iran, 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 Iran. We'll just talk about it all the time. That would be stupid. It would be intellectually dishonest. But it's exactly what it's exactly what they did. That is how they played the game. But now now the the funnier part for me is that when this initially happened, you know what the media reaction was? Well, it's not clear that the emails were it's not clear that the emails were actually going to going to hurt Trump. You know, it's threatening Biden supporters. Okay, let's look at this. The Iranians created spoofed emails that were being sent around uh, where it was supposedly Proud Boys. Remember all the focus on Proud Boys a few weeks ago and white supremacists. Who wants to who wants to guess if a moderator tonight is going to is going to ask President Trump, excuse me, sir, but my my journalistic integrity forces me to ask this question. I don't want to ask it, but I have to ask it. Do you denounce white supremacy, Mr. President, like for the 50th time, right? I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for this, sir. I, I know I'm not going to get invited to the fancy parties and people aren't going to high five me at the country club. Or maybe they'll do all of those things because I asked this question. But do you denounce white supremacy, sir? Yeah, they're going to do that. I, I think it's a pretty good chance that I'll be out. Look, Savannah Guthrie did it recently after it was already done by Chris Wallace. Yeah, I'll, I'll never nothing Chris Wallace says or puts out. I have no interest in any of it. I, I mean, I never did really before, to be honest, but. Definitely not. Not at this point. So now we get to the emails and what they were really meant to do. So they send out emails pretending to be proud boys and the Iranian, you know, the Iranian government and these Iranian false flag actors saw this as an opportunity to create greater division in the U.S. And let me also say that this is now something we should expect all the time because the Democrats for partisan purposes, wildly exaggerated the effect and the influence of even a very minor web-based influence operation for our election. Now, all countries that want to mess with us around the world can do this. Doesn't matter how effective it is. Doesn't matter if they get caught. At a minimum, the story breaks. And then one side in our country can blame the other and say, well, Russia or China or Iran or North Korea or wherever, depending on you know who actually does it, helped you cheat. Therefore, you didn't really win. You see how that pulls us apart. You see how that creates tremendous friction. And therefore, it's a great victory. It doesn't have to be significant. 
you don't have if you're Iran, you don't have to change the results of the election to poison American politics by doing just a little bit of interference in the election. You see, that's the standard that has now been set because the Democrats are crybabies. You can't accept that they lost. So this just encourages and this isn't a new theory. I've been telling you this for years. This just encourages other countries to get on this game. In fact, if you listen to old shows, I mean, I have to go back and find it. But I was saying you're going to have other countries that do this. I said it. I knew it. Other countries will get involved in this game because if nothing else, it's just a way of showing national spite for America from some other place that doesn't like us, that some regime that, you know, has it shows disrespect. It doesn't have to be effective for it to be a a very clear middle finger extended in Uncle Sam's direction. But so then the media pretended, well, if it's from Proud Boys, which it wasn't, but if if, if we're going to say it's from Proud Boys and then if we're going to say that the Proud Boys are, uh, you know, that the Proud Boys are trying to intimidate Democrats from going to vote, why is this? This is feigned stupidity, I think, although I don't know. A lot of journalists are really dumb. Unfortunately, your average journalist is like a B minus English literature student from a third tier liberal arts college or, you know, a second or third rung state school somewhere. That's that's what you get for a lot of journos. It's not a, not a particularly impressive bunch. And the ones that went to fancy schools, overwhelmingly, they're either legacy admits or affirmative action admits or, you know, trust me, not a lot of geniuses running around in uh, in the mainstream media. But you already knew that. So now we look at what really happens when these emails go around. Right. The Proud Boys are allegedly it's not them. It's a spoof. We've already established that. But they're allegedly threatening Biden voters. The whole point is then the Biden camp can turn around and see, see, look at these right wing extremists threatening people on behalf of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Donald Trump, you know, it just plays in that narrative. That's how it harms Trump. Obviously, people aren't really going to not show up at the polls because of this Iranian influence operation. This is not reality. What's much more likely is what's exactly happened here, which is that Trump gets blamed for something that not only Trump didn't do, but not even Trump supporters have done or even Proud Boys or whatever. And it helps the Biden campaign as a result. It's also something that points to how if you're Iran, you really want Biden to win. Look at what Trump has done to the Iranians. Pulled, pulled out of the deal, said, uh, sorry, you guys are jerks. Your country is not going to be allowed to play in the international community the way that it wants to. We're going to keep sanctions in place. And if you mess with us, we're going to come down on you uh, like an anvil. And oh, by the way, Qasem Soleimani, who was the architect of many uh, murder missions against U.S. soldiers, right? Iran was not at war with us. This was done in t- This was done as a total black ops you know, off off the book, so to speak, situation on the uh, on the part of the Iranians. They were killing our soldiers. The Iranian government was was ordering our soldiers killed. And Qasem Soleimani was at the heart of this. And then President Trump gave the order to turn Qasem into a pink mist. And that is what happened. And we were told, oh, my gosh, the Iranian response, the fury will shake us down to our foundation. And actually, Trump made it very clear to them. Yeah. We took him out. That was the right move. He deserved it. You want to try something else? It's like I've said all along. Trump can be a little bit unpredictable, but kind of like having Doc, Doc Holliday on the street howitzer. You want the guy who's willing to pull the trigger and keep the enemy off balance 
to be part of your team. You want them on your side. And that certainly worked with the Iranians, which also reminds me of of, uh, Obama talking about uh, foreign policy and and also just how how not normal everything is. Well, here Obama's supposed to be the secret weapon the Democrats have held in reserve to the last moment here. Uh, play 21. We're not going to have a president that goes out of his way to insult anybody who doesn't support him or or, or threaten them with jail. That's not normal presidential behavior. We wouldn't tolerate it from a high school principal. We wouldn't tolerate it from a a coach. We wouldn't tolerate it from a co-worker. We we wouldn't tolerate it in our own family except for maybe crazy uncle somewhere, you know. Yeah, he's 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 I mean, we why would we expect and ex- accept this from the president of the United States? Why why is Obama yelling the whole time he's talking? Why does he keep his voice up here when he's at a microphone? I just, you know, because it, (laughs) I don't miss that guy at all, I'll tell you. I don't miss him at all. Uh, But he was also saying on foreign policy that we need uh, need to be respected again, like we were under the Obama administration, of course. That's That's the takeaway. That's what it's supposed to be for that. And... I've just got to say, uh, I actually remember, uh, and Obama apparently doesn't, the bloody catastrophes in Syria and Libya, the rise of ISIS, major deterioration in our situation in Iraq and Afghanistan, our troops deployed there, Obama's embarrassing apology tour, bowing to foreign heads of state for no apparent reason, pallets of cash for Iran. These are all defining disasters of the Obama foreign policy era. What are the defining foreign policy disasters of the Trump administration? Um, Peace deals in the Middle East, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, finally hitting back at the Iranians and not suffering any real consequences, uh, pulling out of the disastrous Paris climate accord that no one's really going to enforce anyway. Uh, Where's the big? Oh, he was too nice to Kim Jong Un in negotiations. That's what we're supposed to all be losing sleep at night about. Sorry, not going to happen. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'm keeping the terrorists, jihadists, and violent extremists the hell out of our country, if that's okay with you. And I will never say it because it's not good to say it. And I'm knocking on nice, beautiful wood because I can tell it's ours because it's they spend a lot of money on building these things. But you haven't seen too much happening on that front, have you, huh? You notice? Okay, well, keep your eyes, hey, keep your eyes open. Okay, keep your eyes open, because they'd love to do something. Just keep your eyes open. But there's a reason for things not happening also. The president has also managed uh, to keep the terrorists, the jihadists, uh, the extremists at least off balance and much quieter than they've been in years. President Trump's administration is the first one that I can remember as an adult where we didn't have the constant specter of another mass casualty jihadist attack hanging over our heads. He gets no credit for this, at least from the media and from the left. He hasn't started a new war. We're not embroiled in some new conflict. Gets no credit from the anti-war demonstrators and the so-called peace movement in this country. Really just usually a, a, a... Trojan horse for a lot of socialists and radical Marxists. Oh, we just want world peace, except when the 
communist dictators are running wild all over the place. Then, then all of a sudden, it's you know glorious revolution time. And you should also remember that Trump, on the one hand, says how great America is all the time. And this is Joe, what Joe Biden says. Because, you know, I've often told you before, there are people who take pride in being American in this country, and there are people who take pride in thinking they're better than America. The latter are known as Democrats. Here's Joe Biden basically saying that. Play four. America was an idea, an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We've never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it before. And I just think we have to be more honest and let our kids know as we raise them what actually did happen. Acknowledge our mistakes so we don't repeat them. We've never lived up to them. Hmm. I don't know. I think in World War II, we defeated the true global threat of fascism and the and, and stop the extermination of millions and millions of people, six million Jews, 11 million people in total in the Nazi death camps. Um, I, I think we lived up. I think that the guys storming the beaches at Normandy and I think those, you know, fighting on the barren, rocky landscape of Iwo Jima, I, I think they lived up to it. I think we have many times lived up to it. But Joe Biden's a Democrat. A lot of people with sad, empty visions of themselves and the country that they live in who are just desperate for approval and power and don't spend much time thinking about issues like humility and how lucky they are. No, that's for Republicans. Democrats would rather just trash the country that's given them so much. And Joe Biden's a great uh, a great champion of that trashing. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got a debate tonight in Nashville. Love Nashville, a place I really would like to spend more time. Great town, great people, food, music, so much to uh, recommend it. And I know it's becoming a uh, a bigger destination nationwide. People are saying, I'm going to move to Tennessee. I'm going to move to Nashville. Uh, or uh, Memphis. You know, there's some great cities there. Chattanooga. I hear nice things about Chattanooga. But debate tonight in Memphis. I'm sorry, in Nashville, not Memphis. Debate tonight in Nashville. And the president's going to have some opportunities to push his opponent on things that we know the media won't. Don't expect, I mean, I don't think anybody believes that there will be a serious push from the moderators to get something out of Joe Biden that he doesn't want to share because they're, they're not there to get the truth. I mean, the reason for this debate, as far as the, the moderators are concerned, is so that Joe Biden can check off the box after basically hiding in the basement for most of the campaign. So he can pretend like he's running an actual campaign and so that maybe they can trip Trump up a little bit and get some last minute undecideds to sway over to Joe Biden. That's what the moderators are, are thinking. They, they don't care what Trump supporters think of their bias. They could care less. In fact, they will wear the scorn of Trump supporters as a badge of honor, depending on how the debate goes tonight. Uh, they'll think it shows what serious and good journos they are. But there's one area where I think there will be a bit of a push, and that's on court packing, because, you know, there's a new answer now from Joe Biden. For weeks, he was saying, I can't I can't answer that because my answer will be a story as a presidential candidate that people talk about. To which everybody said, uh, yeah, 
Correct. But he got away with it for a while. And it's because he ultimately doesn't want to tell the left-wing base of the Democrat Party they're not willing to completely remake an essential American governmental institution that is necessary for the balance of powers and it's necessary that it not just become an obvious, blatant tool of politics. And it already has to some degree, but making it worse is not going to make it better. Biden was asked by 60 Minutes about court packing and this was fascinating because he's got this new answer. He just came up with play three. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to over uh, 180 days come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack. Um, the way in which it's being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court? No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. I mean, first of all, what, what was that? You know, presidents come and go. And, you know, and yeah, a lot of scholars, a lot of, a lot of conservative scholars. Are, no, no, no. This is the kind of sound leadership, though, you should expect from Joe Biden on, on an issue like this of, of such great national importance. You're going to have a guy who's saying, well, I'm going to form a committee and the committee's going to tell me what I should do. We're all supposed to say, oh, that's great, Joe. Yeah. Form that committee, man. Awesome. There's only one of two outcomes that the committee will give him. Right. I, I don't mean by their decision. I mean, why he would do that. One is so that he can say, I formed a committee and then just ignore it and do whatever he wants. Or two, he wants to use the committee as an excuse for not doing anything. I think it's most likely the first one. <laughs> I had the committee come together, but why would this? What do you need a committee for? This is a, a matter of what the Congress is going to do. The Congress is the committee. And so it's really just up to whether the president would support this or not. So what Joe Biden is telling you is that at this stage, after being in politics for over 40 years, he in elected office for over 40 years, he wants you to know that uh, he's not really sure how he feels about court packing. He w he thinks it needs more study. Hmm. Yes, this is the leadership that you'll be able to expect from from Joe Biden. This is the kind of really uh, clear, uh, you know, fearless out in the front stuff that you'll expect from Joe Biden. Look, I, I think we all need to understand, first of all, the Democrats are caught here because they're the ones that created the arms race in the Supreme Court in the first place. You look back during the Clinton years, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Souter and, you know, these, uh, I know that wasn't, I, I, he might, he's not Clinton years, but whatever. You look back at left-wing judges. Republicans have waved through left-wing judges time and time again. Republicans have have voted alongside with Democrats to put forward Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Elena Kagan and you know even Sotomayor, which is 
she's an embarrassment to the Supreme Court. But, you know, she sits on it and, uh, you know, Souter and, you know, go down the list. Republicans go along with that. It's Democrats who are like, no, we must have somebody that suits our ideological positions on the court. And we will stop anybody who does not fall into that category. Well, you've been able as a, as a leftist, they've been able to get away with that for a long time. But eventually people tire of that. They see what's really happening. They understand that the Democrats are playing games here and that their interest is not in what's what's best for the rule of law and for the institution of the Supreme Court. Their interest is in getting their way, having the Supreme Court be a super legislature. It's exactly what they're trying to do here. So that's, you know, as, as we focus in on why they're so upset over the elevation of the completely qualified uh, Amy Coney Barrett, their complaints are just because we're seeing who they really are. Senator Mike Lee gets it. Play 11. One party, the Democrats, has been the aggressor in every single instance. At every step along the way, our side has used our constitutional authority and the other side has abused its authority. There is no tit for tat. There's just tat. Democrats killed Judge Bork's nomination for partisan political reasons. They killed Miguel Estrada's nomination for partisan political reasons. They slandered Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, and Justice Kavanaugh for partisan political reasons. They nuked the filibuster again for partisan political reasons. And now they're trying to scuttle this meeting, this hearing, this vote for partisan political reasons. When it comes to the judiciary, abuse of power is their agenda. Correct. The whole point of the Supreme Court, as far as libs are concerned, is to get what they want. It's not to have an eminent body of scholars and, you know, esteemed intellectuals in the matters in matters of uh, legal jurisprudence who are going to come to constitutionally faithful decisions. That's not the purpose of the Supreme Court as far as the Democrat Party, the American left is concerned. It's transactional. We have this thing. We want it to do the things we want it to do. Look, Republicans are the ones who always end up putting up these judges like Roberts who just keep betraying what we thought was their judicial philosophy in the case of Roberts because you know, he likes being thought of as the guy who's protecting the institution of the court. He likes that he won't really get trashed in the editorial pages of The New York Times the way other judges, other judges like Alito and Thomas will and do. You know, so it's really about vanity. One man's vanity is changing federal law, in a sense, for all the rest of us. That's what we end up with. The left, they never on the big issues, they never break ranks because they know why they're there. They understand that this is the expectation and that's why they were, they were put into this job in the first place. But nonetheless, the Democrats are whining about this because we are days away from what should be the Amy Coney Barrett uh, confirmation conclusion, I think on this Monday. So, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer is very upset about this. Here he is. Play 23. I am here to stand with my colleagues on the Judiciary Committee who are boycotting today's committee markup on the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. This is not a decision the members of the committee have taken lightly. 
but a Republican majority has left us no choice. We are boycotting this illegitimate hearing. The nomination of Amy Coney Barrett is the most illegitimate process I have ever witnessed in the Senate. Why is it illegitimate? This is the only thing you have to do. Ask that very basic, very straightforward question. What exactly about this is illegitimate? They don't. Oh, it's an election year. Where is that in the Constitution? Where is that in the rules of the Senate? In the law anywhere. So how is it illegitimate for the Democrats is a stand in word they're using here for I don't like. I don't like what's happening, so I'm just going to call it illegitimate. They're they're bastardizing. They are changing in real time the definition of the word because it's useful for them. Cory Booker, who hopefully is not going to cry as he says this, uh, also is calling for the Senate GOP to stop the Barrett nomination because people have voted early. What? Play 12. This is not right. It is wrong that we should have a nation right now uh, in the midst of an election where people know that their health care is on the ballot, that equal justice is on the ballot, uh, that access to, uh, to securing your most fundamental rights and equalities on the ballot, that we should not wait for the American people. Uh, to speak uh, as they already are speaking and wait to do this until after the next inauguration. Uh, To me, this is stunning. It is anti-democratic, and it is an affront to what I believe are a lot of our shared, most cherished values and ideas. In addition to that, it's contrary to the very words of so many of my colleagues. I mean, none of their arguments are even a little bit compelling. It's all just kind of an emotional appeal to their fellow Democrats. It's so bad. What they're doing is like so upsetting. I'm so mad about it. Completely legitimate. It is the opposite of illegitimate. It is totally legitimate. And everyone can see that, or at least anybody who is being honest. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett will be a fine Supreme Court justice. Donald Trump will have installed three Supreme Court picks in his first four years which is also a reminder for a lot of people who felt like they were holding their nose in the last election, voting for Trump because of judges and because of the need to have judges who will protect the Constitution and not be left wing activists. They they played the right hand. They made the right move. They can't have any doubts or any uh, any regrets about that now, seeing what's actually ended up happening. So that's I think that that should be very encouraging because, look, I'm seeing these polls. I see what's going on right now with this this effort to make it seem like the uh, the Trump campaign can't win. It's already too late. You know, they're too far behind. Not buying it. Not buying it. I know that in some key states, Trump or rather Biden is underperforming where Hillary was. But who knows with the polls? Think about how dishonest the media is in this election cycle, more than I've ever seen before. I mean, they're more willing to be blatant in the dishonesty. They used to be a little bit more subtle. Uh, there was more more tactical caution in their bias than the, right now. It's just anything for Biden. I mean, they're all just like little Biden bots running around doing everything they can to help him. So. I think there's also the the very real chance that a lot of these polling agencies, they're not going to be wrong intentionally by a lot, but they're always the tie is always going to go to the Biden, if you know what I mean. They're always going to skew in that direction 
because that's what happened in 2016. I think that's what's happening once again, because someone's going to pay them and they want to be on the right side of the Democrat apparatus. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Dr. Jill Biden's not really a doctor, but why don't we take some uh, medical advice from her on masking and rallies? Play 19. Well, I think uh, this administration has made it political. I mean, we need to listen to the to the doctors and the scientists. That's what we have to do. And I think it's totally irresponsible that people are going to these rallies and they're not wearing masks. They're not socially distancing. Um, It's irresponsible. And people will die because of this. People will die because of Trump. Right. That's what we that's that's the uh, would be first lady there. She's already been the second. Do we call her a second lady? I don't know if that's a thing, but there's you know, the would be first lady uh, telling us all this about masks. I got to tell you, my favorite mask wearing story from this week is uh, Chris Cuomo, who loves to go on TV, be like, hey, well, you know, really serious look in his eyes, really a lot of gravitas. He's pulling together. He's hey, wear a mask, you know, save lives, wear a mask. Right. Uh, it turns out there's a letter which has, uh, I believe, been verified at this point. And it was on Tucker's show last night uh, from his building, his fancy building in New York City, where he lives, where he is uh, being scolded for putting other residents at risk for not wearing a mask in his own building. So when it comes to his own actions, and I think this surprises absolutely nobody, one of the biggest wear a mask or you're a bad person advocates does not himself around other people wear a mask when there's not a camera around. Does anyone get surprised at all by this kind of a, a fraud? No, right? We, we actually expect it at this point. I think everyone just figures, oh, okay, so, you know, another, another BS journalist here who's doing what we all know they do, which is say one thing for the cameras and try to get the clicks and the likes and the follows, and then when it comes to their own personal behavior, they completely dispense with it. Look, I didn't wear a mask all summer in my building, even though it was required because there was no COVID in New York and it's absurd. And I also think that wearing a mask for the five seconds I walk through my lobby is idiocy. But I tell you that every day. Like, I tell you that all the time. I'm honest about it. And now, because my building is so paranoid, fine. I wear a mask when I walk in and out. I take it off the second I get into fresh air, but I carry one in my back pocket. I use the same mask all the time. It's disgusting. It's like putting a swamp on my mouth now. But anyway, uh, but I'm consistent. Someone like Cuomo is a fraud, wants you to wear a mask, wants to be able to control you and wants the virtue signaling points for demanding that control, but has no interest himself in living by the mandates that he forces upon you. You're a bad person if you don't do it. He's a good person for telling you to do it, but he's not going to do it. That really is the Democrat Party defined right now. It's true of the way they view the environment taxes, social justice, everything. Just all a big bacchanal of hypocrisy. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Harsanyi time, everybody. David Harsanyi, senior writer of National Review, friend of the show, is with us now. He has a, a fair-minded and honest eye looking at all the stuff going on right now with this Hunter Biden uh, mess and the journalism or lack thereof around it. Great to have you back, David. What's up? 
Always a pleasure. Thank you. So yeah, I mean a lot's up, right? Yeah. I mean, hold on a sec. We got we got emails now. And people like Leslie Stahl are telling the president of the United States to his face, well, we can't verify the laptop. I mean, you work for CBS 60 Minutes. I thought the whole point was that they could verify things. The journalists really are just pretending to be inept morons, it seems, at this point, because they can't come up with a better excuse. Well, it's a completely new standard as well. I mean, they, they uh, just I was thinking before about the Atlantic story where, where you know, we learned that supposedly or allegedly Donald Trump had said all these horrible things about soldiers. Uh, there wasn't a single on the on the, on the on the record uh, source to corroborate that story. Nothing. Now we have an on the record source. The guy's a Navy vet. He was Hunter's partner, saying yes, these emails are real, or this. I'm not sure if he said that about every email, but certain emails, and that yes, Joe Biden, or at least Hunter, told him that Joe Biden was a big part of what was going on. And whether that's true or not, in the end, and I think that there is plenty of evidence that he knew about it, Joe. Um, it's certainly verified as it within this normal journalistic ethics, right? I mean, you can talk about it now. It's in the public record. There are people who are on the record saying it's true. We know that the laptop is real. Um, we have the signed paper from Hunter at the Delaware shop right near where uh, the Bidens, I think, lived. So it's just insane. It's just insane that they won't cover it. And when they do, they're always just sort of trying to explain it away or where it becomes like a pouncing story. The Republicans are ready to pounce on Hunter stuff. And it's not really even about Hunter. It's about Joe Biden. Well, that's if that's you take a 10 percent cut. That's you know what he was doing. That's the part of this. that I'm saying Hunter Biden being the world's biggest screw up in a million different ways and, and even perhaps trading off his dad's name on his own. You know, it's bad, but I don't think that you blame. I don't think you blame a political candidate for the actions of of their children, per se. I, I think that that is a line you can draw, but that's not what we're seeing here. <laughs> we're seeing Hunter Biden in emails and communications talking about how dad gets a cut. Dad knows about all this. The uh, the business partner, uh, Bablinski, I think is his name, Lieutenant Bablinski. Uh, he says that Joe Biden knew all about this and that it was all done. And it's just a reminder, you know, you, you would think they couldn't get away with something like this, David, so brazen and so unethical and very likely illegal, by the way, you think, except if they won't even if the journos won't even touch this story with all the information and corroboration it currently has. Do we really think that anybody was going to want of their own volition look into the Biden's finances years ago? Of course not. No. And and now there is more. We, we have verified more information in this story and corroborated more of the things that the Post has reported and has had more on the real, you know, real sources on the record who are involved in the situation that we did for four years of Russiagate stories that still haven't been corrected, that still haven't been corroborated. In fact, they've been mostly debunked. And yet now they're pretending that they have this high ethical standard. I mean, it's insane. And you're right. It, it, this is about, listen, I think the Hunter story would, should be a story on its own if it's true, because it matters to some, you know, it's newsworthy. I don't know if it's criminal. But the idea that the presidential candidate allowed his son to 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 leverage off the United States government and then take a 10 percent cut. That's a pretty big story. I don't even know if it's illegal, but it sounds pretty corrupt. I'd like to know more about it. You know, it seems to me like that actually would be, you know, that that, that in, in a fair minded per, for a fair minded person. If Joe Biden was really getting a 10 percent cut of his son doing deals based off of access to Joe Biden. First of all, I, I do believe that that is a criminal conspiracy. I think that that qualifies as quid pro quo corruption. 
corruption cases are always a little tricky and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But I think that it probably would meet that threshold from what I know of the law. But beyond that, uh, if I were a fair minded person, that would be disqualifying. I mean, that is straight up disgusting behavior for not just like a state senator or a city councilman, the vice president of the United States. How many, how many stories have we read about how people come to this country from, you know, diplomats and stay at a Trump property? Well, that's OK. That's newsworthy. Doesn't this seem at least as newsworthy as those stories? This is the front running presidential candidate we're talking about. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know. It, it would be crazy to think that all of this is just made up by Hunter, you know, in his emails. Now, even if that were true. They won't even ask him the question. And when they do ask one, I saw one Wisconsin reporter ask, they do it in this really grating way where they're like, can you believe what these crazy Republicans are saying about you? You know, do you have a comment on this craziness? And that and then he gets to like tee off on them. But they never ask him a simple question. Did you ever benefit financially from what Hunter was doing in in Ukraine or in China? Did you know about it? Because he lied, right? He lied in the past and said he knew nothing about what Hunter was doing. We know that that's probably not true now. Right. I mean, that's the fact that there has not been a real ask of, did you ever make any money off of anything Hunter did? And ask in a straightforward way, I can guarantee that if someone asked that question, they would not get a a a clear denunciation from Joe Biden. There would be some. My my son and my, you know, Trump's the real, you know, they were the usual Biden bluster. You would not get a real answer from him on it because I think they're going to be able to prove, David, in this last stretch. I mean, I know some of the people who have access to the emails there. I think they're going to be able to prove this. Yeah. I mean, he would just say, yeah, come on, you know, how dare you and, and, and try to distract. And the media helped him. They bought a week with Russian disinformation, which was just a complete nonsensical lie. And then they bought, they're trying to buy another week and they're just trying to pull it out. That's fine. I don't even know if this story would change anything that much. I don't know. But, but it is newsworthy and journalists just actively, not only actively not covering it, but trying to censor it. I don't mean government censorship, but what Twitter has done to the New York Post account, that is nuts. And I, I just I don't even know what would happen if they did that to the New York Times, which has run countless you know, stories that they haven't verified. I mean, even the tax story, I don't even know if that's true. Who did they speak to? I don't know. We just have to trust them to some extent. The Post has been more transparent about the political and partisan nature of how that information was gathered, which I think is is good to be transparent about, but doesn't mean that the information is untrue or that the laptop is unreal. And, and I got to say, certainly seems to. we're speaking to David Harsani, senior writer at nationalreview.com. David, the, uh, the Post got, the New York Post, got trashed by fellow journalists, which I just think is is inexcusable. It's so appalling on so many levels. People were were sneering at it. Oh, it's a tabloid. Oh, Rupert Murdoch owns it. Oh, as, as if it's like the newspaper that talks about, you know, aliens landing in the desert and bringing back, you know, a baby Jesus or something. You know what I mean? Those things like they, they really were demeaning the newspaper last week for the most obvious political purposes. No one's now that it's clear the the New York Post was 100 percent correct and in the right. There's no uh, apologies or even a hey, uh, maybe we'll be a little uh, more fair minded to you guys next time from the rest of the journalist cadre. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they their their mission is to get Joe Biden elected. That's their mission. I mean, not all of them, but most of them, uh, the political press, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. We all you know, we know all the names. I mean, the. the the Atlantic ran, ran with that story that that, uh, you know, about 
about uh, Trump saying all those terrible things about soldiers. I mean, and that that's a magazine filled with pseudo intellectuals and sort of non, you know, just spewing out 5000 word nonsensical articles every single day. And yet we're supposed to take them seriously, but not reporters at The New York Post, which breaks stories all the time. Biggest city in the world, large, one of the largest circulations in, in America. I mean, it's just nuts. And where are all these people like Brian Stett, uh, all, both of those CNN media reporters and everyone else who who is constantly acting like being critical of journalism is an attack on the First Amendment? You know what I'm saying? They make, yeah. they make no distinction between those, two, except if it's about some reporter they don't like at The Daily Caller or at, you know, wherever at The New York Post. I mean, but, you know, this I'm getting sick of like complaining about them in the sense that you know, I think we just have to move on and we have to ha- build our own media infrastructure and do what we have to do because you can't fight this all the time because they don't care. There's no one above, there's no like editor in chief saying you have to act more professionally. There's no one stopping them anymore. I mean, you see them on Twitter. They just sort of sneer and laugh and, 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 and retweet media matters. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, look, I, I think the journalists as a professional class are arguably the most dishonest and worst people engaged in what is ostensibly a legal trade in the country. I mean, I really believe that. Like I, I would take any number of other uh, I would take, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, cas- casino owners and strip club uh, barons over journalists these days in terms of the ethics of their job, because at least those other folks are telling you what they're really doing. Journalists are engaged in a perpetual fraud. They're lying to the public about what their goals are and what they're doing. But I, I would have agreed with you even when I was working in a newspaper 15 years ago on that. So I'm not going to argue, but. I think you're right. And then I just want to quickly add, because they drive me bananas, then you have fact checkers, which are with the conceit of which is that some person can decide an argument at a newspaper who's just a, you know, a reporter. These are columnists. And yet now they're used by political campaigns, by Democrats all the time to say this has been fact checked, you know, where, where, you know, it's an easy way to circumvent argument. But, yeah, I don't want to get too deeply into what the problems with journalism. But the thing is that uh, I think that the pressure that uh, many people have put on others to defend the post and to talk about Twitter has actually blown the story up maybe even bigger than it would have been. Oh, yeah, I think I think effectively the suppression, what I call the great suppression, uh, magnified this story much more rapidly than if they had allowed it to pursue, you know, go through normal social media channels. But, David, before we let you go, we've got a big debate tonight. People are going to be watching it soon after uh, hearing us right here. So or listening to it. So what are your expectations? What do you th- you know, what do you think is going to happen and will it matter? I am I'm, I'm I'm skeptical that it will matter very much, though. I think you see, you know, you see a national poll, some national polls getting wider, but but some of the state polls, you know, getting a little closer and constricting. So I, I don't know how important it is. I don't think that Trump will do worse than he did last time. He was overly aggressive and he wouldn't let Biden speak. But I do think this is an opportunity for Trump to ask some questions that the media won't ask and bring it to the attention of people who haven't even even heard about it. That includes Hunter, though I don't think he should obsess on that topic. I think he should just bring it up. But uh, I I don't know how much it'll matter. We'll see. David Arsani of NationalReview.com. David, great to see you, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for having me. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Biden is also pledging mass amnesty and free federal health care for illegal aliens. And we all have a heart. 
It will obliterate Medicare and Social Security with that. But we all have a heart. The problem, I want to take care of everybody. The problem is our country will be flooded with tens of millions of people. Free health care, free education. I always say for them, it drives them crazy. Everybody gets a free Rolls Royce and then they say, I am misrepresenting. They don't get a Rolls Royce. But no, but think of it. Free health care. And I'll always protect. I will always protect your Medicare and your Social Security. President on immigration here, which because we're in this bizarre world of covid has become much less of an issue. But remember, that was his signature issue in 2016. It is what separated him from the rest of the Republican field. It's what broke him out ahead of that Republican field. And it's an area where he has been proven to be very prescient. I think the president has been shown to be right on immigration. And when he says the Democrats, he's telling you what I've been telling you. They want amnesty. They get amnesty. They Look, they, they tried to get it through and make Republicans complicit in it the last time with the gang of eight bill and Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio's career never really recovered from that. But they tried to make Republicans a, a part of it with this, con- you know, because they're Republicans who want to be considered heroes and get a lot of nice media coverage, big donations. The Chamber of Commerce will love you. The. Uh, you know, the big uh, moneyed interests for corporations that rely on cheap labor. You know, oh, there's a lot of upside to being a Republican who supports amnesty. Uh, Paul Ryan was a Republican who really supported amnesty, for example. You know, you get to be an establishment guy who talks a lot about the Constitution and the debt, but doesn't really talk about what happens tomorrow if we let the left get their way with policies like this. So Trump is right um, when he says that there's going to be mass amnesty and also with amnesty becomes uh, comes an enormous additional drain on the health care system. Right. I mean, this is why. And there are all these like libertarian open borders groups that I come across and stuff will say, oh, but it'll increase GDP. Yeah, but it'll increase the expenses. And these are individuals who are in an increasingly information based economy with already depressed wages in a lot of areas of the country. Again, pre covid covid has messed up the numbers. Uh, But for manual labor and for things where illegal immigrants are more able to compete for jobs. And that's real. And if you want to read on that or or learn more about that, Professor Borjas at at Harvard has done some of the most in-depth research on it. I've I've read his work and he just shows, yeah, when you flood an area with a lot of unskilled illegal immigrants for jobs like, you know, uh, carpentry and, you know, what you consider to be day laborer kind of work. It brings down a lot of other wages and, you know, carpenters who live in that area can't make the same kind of money. And it's not nationwide all at once. It's it's really state by state, really county by county within the state. Um, but think about what it will do to the healthcare system as well. You're going to bring p- people in who will overwhelmingly be dependent upon the state via Medicaid or Medicare for all or whatever the Democrats are proposing. That's how it's going to work. So. This is a this is a major concern. So you can look at this and the reality of the Democrats are going to try to do. Or you can be a fake Republican who's just this is about character. This is about a good man versus a bad man. But guys, does Joe Scarborough think he's a good man? That's that will be interesting. I'd like to hear that explanation. I'm not going to go too into the personal stuff that's public that we all know about with that guy. Not exactly a model for how to live your life. Fair enough. But uh Big Trump supporter who now acts like he's the great hero of the resistance. But he, he's appealing to uh, your your moral sensibility over at MSNBC. He works at a network that just spews lies and nonsense and and divides people 
with the most uh, aggressive and toxic identity politics narratives possible. You know, CNN today ran a story about how the officer that uh, had his knee on the neck of George Floyd, third degree murder tra- uh, charge dropped. Oh, that, yeah, they dropped that charge. They kept the more serious second degree murder charge. But CNN in the headline, third degree murder charge dropped just to get everyone. Oh, my gosh. Here's Scarborough's pitch. Play eight. It's interesting. You can look at that video. And I think most Americans would agree that this election is between a good man and a bad man. Yeah. And I, I, I feel comfortable saying that Donald Trump is a bad man. <laughs> He's a bad man. He liked him a lot when he gave uh, access to the president, right? Or access to the Republican candidate. Joe Biden was, uh, I'm sorry, Joe Scarborough, rather, was a big fan. But now, he, now he's uh, all about integrity and honesty, and Trump's a bad guy, folks. Trump is imperfect. No one's ever said he was perfect. He's been a good president, and he brings far more to the table, and just th- there's so much more upside for all of us, uh, for all Americans, including the psycho libs who would scream if I said this to their faces, and I would love to, but they won't listen to me. Uh, it'll be better for all of us than a, a corrupt, phony, fraudulent Joe Biden. Oh, he's just a moderate presidency. Nobody really thinks that, but they're just trying to fool people. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. We made ours go up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call. Send us your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send a message that way, very easy way to do it. If you want to email us, teambuck at iheartmedia.com. Or if you prefer, you can send a direct message on Instagram because I'm on the gram now. Uh, Buck Sexton is my name on the Instagram. Um, Or text sex, sex dump, uh, whatever keith overman calls me but that's not actually my instagram name but i just think that's kind of funny he said it again yesterday on twitter what a maniac producer mark have you ever seen the old uh, the old ben affleck thing where he does an impersonation on snl of keith overman and miss precious perfect the cat it may be the funniest thing ben affleck has ever done i ha- i haven't i'll have to go youtube oh that. you should watch it miss precious perfect picked on by the condo board unable to stay with me and my mom it's amazing it's amazing. You got to watch it. It's like the bet. It's one of the funnier things I've, I've ever seen on SNL, really, for many years. This was back when SNL was a comedy show instead of a crappy pseudo political commentary show. I don't know if you know that that used to be a thing. I miss old SNL. I don't old watch SNL it anymore. Really. Old SNL was a bunch of people who were trying to actually do funny things on Saturday night for the entertainment of the American people. Uh, SNL for the last 10 years or so has been like a wokeness parade. Yeah, we're so woke, man. It's gross. Uh, What do you got doing? What do you got going on? We got the uh, debate coming up in just a little bit. What are you going to be doing? Uh, I'll be watching the debate most likely. Do you do you do you game time eat or do you like to pregame eat? Oh, I pregame eat. And then I'll have the football on the other TV that the it's the Giants are playing, but they stink. So I don't really want to watch that. Mm. But I'll have it on. 
So the, will there be a there will be Super Bowl this year on time in January? Is that the plan? Uh, as of right now, yeah, I think it's still uh, early February, but they oh, have contingency February. plans that make it all go all the way to late March if they have to. How can the how can the New York market not have better sports teams? I know for the rest of the country, they're like, "Buck, that's your problem. We don't care." But well, New York should have better teams. They're so yeah. uh, the Jets are historically bad. Yeah, well, that's not a surprise. All righty, let's get to the roll call here, Dan. President Trump and the GOP is playing a dangerous game with the conservative base. I am voting for Trump, but I have yet to see any accountability for actual criminal behavior from the left. Clinton emails, Obama spygate, IRS scandal, Biden shenanigans, and so on. No one is behind bars. We will not wait forever. And in fact, we have waited long enough. It is time for accountability. If Trump blows it during the next term, the GOP will lose its base, I promise. Uh, Dan, what you're saying is true. I mean, there has been really no accountability for the Clinton emails, Spygate, IRS, and this Biden stuff. And I'm not going to tell you things I don't think are true. There's not going to be accountability for any of that, most likely. There's something about Republicans where even though they know the other side will try to ruin us, imprison our children, take all of our money and destroy our lives and use the uh, the government and use you know federal agents and places like the FBI and prosecutors offices as weapons to that effect. Even though we're completely aware of that, our team, our side is always, well, we don't want to be too rough. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to make anybody feel too bad. So we're just going to like let bygones be bygones. And then they try to, you know, run a special counsel or they try to throw our kids in, you know, in prison again or they do whatever it is that they do. And we go back. It's just like a cycle. We just keep going through the same cycle over and over again. So, yeah, Dan, I, I hear what you're saying, man. It's uh, it's disappointing to be sure. I have no no disagreement with you on that. And I think it is unfortunately unlikely to change. I do not see it changing anytime soon. Alex. Hey, love the show. We love you, Alex. I imagine I'll be listening for a long time from the way I've been listening to y'all since the beginning of this pandemic. I just wanted to say DuckDuckGo is a great search engine. I use it if I can't find what I'm looking for, since Google tends to hide most conservative opinions and facts. Also, I can't wait to hear your Dracula podcast and the others you were talking about. Listening from Dallas, my mom told me about y'all when she tuned in the radio on her way to Florida. Well, Alex, that's great, man. Thank you so much. It's great to have a you know, relatively new member of Team Buck who's really you know into what we're doing here. Dracula podcast is, is in the works, and I've got a deadline here because it's only 10 days, no, less than that, nine days before uh, Halloween. So I want to get it out before Halloween. So that'll be kind of cool. And as for uh, DuckDuckGo, I've never even heard. Producer Mark, you even heard of it? I have. I know a lot of tech people like to talk about it because they don't like Google and all the tracking and whatnot. Oh, interesting. DuckDuckGo. Okay. You ever playing DuckDuckGoose as a kid? Of course. What child didn't? Yeah. That was a fun one. Duck, Duck, Goose was good. I also, I used to love uh, Capture the Flag games when I was a kid. I thought that was a great one. Or Manhunt. Yeah. To play those. Those were fun. Yeah, Capture the Flag was great. You know, now it's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to run fast and people are going to chase me? That sounds like, sounds like I've done something illegal. I have no interest. 
and too much effort at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, it's gonna. I'm gonna get winded by it. No, that's no fun. We don't need that. Don, the lack of civics being taught in schools has advantaged the left for years. The Biden campaign is now leveraging this ignorance to wrongly accuse the administration of mismanagement of the pandemic. Ultimately, health is controlled by states and municipalities. How Governor Cuomo mandated the admission of COVID-19 positive patients to nursing homes is an example of this. The closing of businesses also at the whim of states and municipalities. I hope the president uses the next debate to rectify this educational negligence to inform the citizenry of the role of the federal government in local issues like health. He needs to explain the role of the federal government and how it is restricted from meddling in local governance. Um, yes, Don, I think it's true that people not understanding really the both the uh, foundation and origin of the government that we have and the reasons for the limitations. I mean, you know, limitations on government power has become almost a cultural thing. People hear that and they say, oh, you're some right wing Tea Party. Bub. Well, no, of course, you want a limited government. The alternative is a government that can take away any of your freedoms. So there, there's always the, the moral necessity for limitations on government authority and power. And that's also what laws serve to do. Right? The biggest threat of tyranny that we face is not from some foreign government or foreign country, although China is getting pretty big and pretty scary. And who knows what 20 or 30 years from now is going to look like. The real threat of tyranny today is here at home. And we're seeing how quickly it can happen. We're seeing how the frog can boil slowly in the pot with the covid restrictions that we're under that I'm, I'm amazed people are willing to still sit back and deal with this the way that they are. I mean, I would lead a civil disobedience movement in New York, except it'd be me and five other people and everybody else around us. Would be like Trump supporters, get them. So what's the point? Doesn't do anything. Don't have a critical mass of people who think for themselves and are rational in New York City that can push back on this. So. As I always tell you, you got to have a plan. Don't just charge the machine gun nests. For me to be a a uh, mask non-comply non-compliance guy, uh, I'd be one of very very few people in Manhattan that, that that would be taking that position. And it's not mask non-compliance all the time. I mean, you know, it, that's the thing. I mean, look, if people want to wear it on subways, I get it. I mean, there's some circumstances. I'm not crazy about it, but I also, you know, they had this uh, the Flaming Lips, which is apparently a band. They had a concert that a lot of people saw recently where everyone was in their own individual plastic bubble. All the all the audience in plastic bubbles. This is the future that we want. This is what we think people should be doing. This is lunacy. It's idiocy. It's it's embarrassing for the people involved. Uh, but uh, and now they even have it in New York. Producer Mark, have you seen this? Some restaurants, they set up these plastic bubbles for people outside. Yeah, I will not be dining in one of those. Yeah, this is why I'm now just like, look, I want to eat takeout. I don't want to wear a mask and deal with all this crap. So I'll go to restaurants and pay them to make my food. And then I just take it home. You know, I, I can't I can't sign on for this nonsense, this silliness. And it's really oppressive. And I don't understand why people don't see it that way more. They, they should see it that way. Anyway, good. Uh, good note, Don. Thanks for writing in. Adam Buck on T-Swift isn't her whole career built on having bad taste in men. Why would Biden want her endorsement? Shields high. Uh, Producer Mark, I defer to you. Is her is that what her career is based on? But yeah, that's uh, most of her songs involve heartbreak and breaking up with guys. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the joke he's making. No, he has not. She has not been. No. 
Hmm, interesting. He's like what, like maybe almost thirty now? Somewhere around that, like I think. Twenties, yeah. almost thirty, something like that. Yeah. I, I producer Mark says it's true, so I believe it. So there you go. Yeah. Um I, I, I like your joke, Adam. Thank you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, more roll call courtesy of Leslie. Hey there, Buck. Just wanted to say I've been listening to you for a few months now, and I've passed the buck with several of my conservative gal pals. We have what we lovingly refer to as Buck Wild Girls Night now, where we catch up on our weeks and talk about your podcast over wine. We absolutely adore you and very much appreciate your knowledge. It's really become a bonding experience for us being conservative ladies because that's not an easy thing in today's world. So thank you for being the wise men in our lives. Shields high. Well, thank you, Leslie. That's great. That's super. That's Buck Wild Girls Night. Sounds like a lot of fun. Gotta say. Producer Mark, do you have any comments uh, that are safe for radio? I cannot make any comments out of fear of the FCC. Fair enough. But no, that sounds lovely, Leslie. Thank you so much for writing in and telling us about this. And I hope you ladies enjoy some Pinot Noir listening to this podcast. And maybe ooh, cheese. I was going to get cheese reckoned. Ah, cheese is what I've already said this French fries, chocolate cheese. These are my food weaknesses. Without those, I would be in much better shape calorically in my daily intake. But those are just three things that, and as Mark Mark points out, you can put cheese on the fries to make them truly magnificent. But now let's turn this around for a second. Can you put chocolate on fries? Does anyone do this? Uh, some people like to dip like a Wendy's Frosty or a milkshake, a chocolate milkshake into their, their fries into that. I'm not a big fan of that, but I see the mm. appeal. Mm. Yes milkshakes i had those growing up that's if you want to put on weight really quickly i think an ice cream milkshake is one of the most effective ways you can possibly do it so there's that yeah because you're you, drinking it so you don't even think about it yeah and it just goes right into your just the, the the sugar rush goes right into your bloodstream it's already in liquid form there's no fiber to slow it down and a milkshake i mean you can do a milkshake that's six seven eight hundred calories man yeah party time it's actually sounding delicious now that i'm talking about it out loud Adam, hey, Buck, what's the uh, Shields High? What's the title of that book you wrote on socialism? I'd like to buy it. And what's the secret of getting a spot on roll call? Keep up the good work, you gray beard millennial. Well, Adam, um, the book is the Socialism Survival Guide. I wrote it uh, before the pandemic. So I, when I wrote it, I, it was, looked like maybe Bernie was going to be the nominee and we were going to be living in a very different world we're living in now. But the ideas all still very much apply when it comes to what the Democrats are trying to do going forward. And I make some predictions about what they what they will do. And my friends at Stansbury Research also add some financial know how into all of it so that there's a um, a takeaway that you can take from it beyond just, oh, my gosh, bad things are happening uh, because of, you know, the socialism. So you can go to buckelectionbook.com if you want to get a totally free, get a copy, buckelectionbook.com. Uh, we're actually giving them away now at, right in, in advance of the election. As long as you uh, sign, you know, give up, give your email, uh, sign up for your email. And uh, yeah, buckelectionbook.com. So check it out. And next up in the roll call, we have Jeff. Hey, Buck and Mark, love the show. I'm passing the buck to get younger guys I work with more informed on politics. Anyway, I work in natural gas infrastructure construction and travel extensively through the West Virginia, Pennsylvania and Ohio areas. 
As the polls are telling us, President Trump is losing in PA and Ohio, from what I see on the road, a ratio of yard signs 50 to 1 in Trump's favor. Also, Trump supporters have flags, banners, homemade signs, and billboards on their property. I know this isn't science, but the truth about what's out there in flyover country is hard to ignore. Well, Jeff, I, I hope your observations are, in fact, a, re- a reflection, are, in fact, a, uh, you know, a, they're correct, right? So there we go. I, I really hope you are, you're seeing, what you're seeing is what's going to be reflected in the election results. But as I've told you, and you know I'm hitting this prediction hard, if it's close, they're not going to concede Pennsylvania. If that's the difference between winning and losing, which maybe it won't be, but they will not concede Pennsylvania and maybe a few other states on election night based upon mail-in balloting. But Pennsylvania is really going to be the, that's going to be a, uh, a dogfight. I'm pretty confident about that. Tim writes in, hey, Buck, I've been a listener from the Saturday Blaze Days. Whoa, original Saturday squad, OSS. I was a Navy, a Navy corpsman assigned to a Marine grunt battalion 37 years ago. On 10-23-83, I was in Beirut, Lebanon for the U.S. Marine Corps barracks bombing. The carnage I witnessed has still scared me to this day. As a 22-year-old knucklehead, I never really understood what caused all the hostilities toward us. Almost every night we were in firefights or rocket attacks. The VA does not consider this a war, so many of us don't receive the care we need. Can you do a deep dive about the first major true, attra- a true attack on America from Islamic terrorists? Thank you, Semper Fi and Shields High. P.S. Tell producer Mark there's room on the therapist couch for us Mets and Giants fans to ask us why we hate ourselves. Uh, well, first, Tim, I, I did do a deep dive on the Marine barracks uh, bombing some years ago. I forget. It might have been five or six years ago now. But on the, um, you know, I, I know you're writing in and, and the anniversary of it uh, will be tomorrow. So maybe I can bring back some of that and tell people about what happened that day. So that's a certainly a, we, we appreciate you writing in with that. And thank you for your service. And uh, as for producer Mark, yeah, Mets and Gi- well, who's worse right now, Mark, for their league, the Mets or the Giants? Giants by far. Uh, they're terrible. What's their record? Uh, they're one in five right now. Yeah. Ooh. That's rough. They have one more win than the Jets do. The Jets have not won a game yet? No, and they won't all season. That's got to... You know, when you're a professional and you're in a competitive league like that, uh, it's got to be tough to never win a game. But we'll have to go and check, in, check that out in time. See if producer Mark's prediction's correct. Everybody, please pass the buck. You know how to do it. Get somebody to listen to the podcast new this week during this election season. Until next time, Shields High.